Hey, 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 it's Theo J and welcome to The Motion, a debate podcast which sees two guests with conflicting opinions engage in an intellectual tug of war to sway my vote to their side of the motion. From music to society, culture to sports, the topic may vary from week to week, but one thing is always guaranteed, your emotions will be set in motion. As we're halfway through the season, we're twisting things up a bit and your girl is taking on the motion. That's right, this episode I will be debating. Today's topic is inspired by a video, well several videos, of Morgan Freeman on the topic of race. He thinks the way to get rid of racism is to stop talking about it, stop referring to people as black man slash white man, and then poof, 400 years of systems of oppression is over. According to Morgan Freeman. As I'm technically a guest on this episode, I won't say what I think yet. So let me introduce the host and my opponent. We've got two The Motion veterans on the show today. Firstly hosting, we have an expert on race, my sister, Apple Rochelle, whether talking about it on her podcast, Brown Sugar, or writing first-class dissertations on it. And secondly, Nicola. If you don't know her bio by now, she's a philosophy student and marketing consultant. Over to you, Apple to host today's debate. Just to kick us off with a little icebreaker, want to ask you guys, what's the worst racial microaggression you've ever encountered? So it can be a funny one. It can be a serious one. I was in Colombia on a school trip and a homeless lady called me uh, uh, un uh, mono feo, which means ugly monkey. But the reason why I was <laughs> more upset was because on the trip, I was one of two black girls, but she singled me out, which actually meant <laughs> that not only did she think I was a monkey, but she actually thought I was uglier than the other black girl on the trip. <laughs> so I think that upset me more. What about you guys? My favourite, I've think i mentioned it on the motion before, it's going to be my uh, prep school doing the whiz and <laughs> casting all the black people as, as monkeys and evil winkies. And crows, can't forget oh, the crows. Awesome. I just thought that was wild. Like You could have at least done the Wizard of Oz and then given us minimal part but surely you're not choosing the black version only to give us parts of monkeys and crows yeah i thought that was wild this same school did the song i know where i've been from hairspray and gave the solo to a white girl like what on earth and we were just young kids my girl said the light is as black as my skin we were just clapping away (laughs) i actually think the worst i've had is um i remember i got faux locks and they're quite long and we were at work and one of the like managers came and started like skipping with my with my braids like this and he was like playing mm. around like this like it was double dutch would not recommend it was a very interesting encounter so that's um, why it was a sticky one still such a sticky one but you know what I mean you just gotta move on with these things otherwise you hurt your head we're just gonna begin now I want you to both give me an opening statement so a brief summary of what you think and why We always kind of say, you know, racism is a system, but I don't think we actually realise or explain what that actually means. It's man-made. And and when you think of why any system is created, it's to serve a purpose, it has an agenda, it has, you know, contingencies if anything were to go wrong. It's not this kind of airy-fairy thing that just, you know, happens to exist. It's almost come to a point where we can't just keep talking about it anymore. Something else has to happen. What? I don't know. But something else has to happen. I'm not going to lie. You may have started thinking, you know, I've won this debate already. Like, what? what's the conversation here? Of course, it's not time to stop talking about racism. But I actually think that 
if you look from the other side, theoretically, it does make sense. Like, race is a construct. Talking about it is exhausting. You could even say it's a distraction. And you could even, even go further and say it continues to uphold and reinforce this problem. That, as Nicholas stated, is man-made. But I think the issue comes when you start to question the alternative. Is it silence? Well, some may say that silence is complicity. And I think, though race is a construct, it doesn't mean that we don't live with the very dangerous realities that that construct has brought out. If anything, it's not talking about race that needs to stop, but it's the way that we talk about it. And maybe even who we talk about it with. And I think, lastly, just because we may overestimate the effects talking about racism has and what it does, I don't think the alternative is understating the power of speech. Very interesting opening statements. And I'm gonna just come in hot and ask you both some questions. Talking generates a certain amount of hubbub for a set amount of time. There's a huge buzz on social media. So, for example, Amy Cooper, she got called out for calling the police on African-American man. I actually just found out yesterday that her charges were dropped. But that's what you don't hear about in the news, right? How much has it actually changed? It seems to come in ebbs and flows. We're super racist and, and then we're not. Jessica Ennis and Mo Farah, oh, you guys are British, Olympics 2012. We're one multicultural society. All it takes is Brexit for xenophobia and hate crimes to go up by 8,000% or whatever it is. How much do you think racism has actually changed and what is talking actually doing? That's a fantastic question. I'm just going to highlight what I said in my opening, which is that maybe it's not talking about it that needs to stop, but the way that we talk about it. The conversation about race has become very, very reactionary. We have Black History Month for then nobody likes black people anymore i do believe that it has come some way are we where we should be absolutely not it's going to take ages let's be real a way to help is to allow the conversation about race to be more continuous it only happens after a death after a, an instance of police brutality in morgan freeman's video he said i don't think we need a black history month right do we have a white history month i don't think the answer is to remove black history month because i think it's amazing to have a month that is only focused on that, but I don't think that should be the only month. I think that the conversation essentially needs to be more continuous, more normalised throughout the year, in a school. Given that race, and you mentioned it, is a social construction, essentially, do you not think that giving the conversation more airtime throughout the year is just going to continue the belief that these racial delineations are a lot more meaningful than they are. You know what? On some days, that would be my ideal. I think on some days, it generally would be my ideal to walk out and just know that no one's thinking anything because of my race. But I have to be real. I don't see it happening for a long time. The ways we've constructed this, it's so entrenched that going to a colorblind society is not realistic. I want to get to that same place where it doesn't hold meaning, but I don't think it's through going through colorblindness. I actually think it's going the other way and going into just fully embracing it. True multicultural society that doesn't ignore history, that doesn't ignore culture, that doesn't ignore the present. I think that's the only way that we can get to a sort of colorblind society. And then just going to you, Nicholas, how can we call out a problem if we don't know it's there? How are we gonna dismantle white supremacy if we just stop the conversation if we actually think about it we've been talking for years and if you think about what we're explaining we're explaining our existence how the hell do you do that how, how do you spend the entirety of our existence explaining what it is <laughs> obvious that something or, or what we're saying it's not working it, it, it's not making sense and, and, and i don't actually believe that it doesn't make sense i think that I don't understand 
what approach needs to be had for people to understand that we're just human beings. Last summer, everyone had this awakening that, oh my God, racism apparently is a thing, shocker. Since then, I'm gonna do so much better to like learn. And it's just words. Words are as full as you allow them to be and they can be so empty. And I think I want to see what has come from this. What, what has actually happened that has made anything better? Wouldn't you say though that we've come a long way from the overt racism of yesteryear. Sorry, I've always wanted to use that word. <laughs> Reading um, some stuff about Winston Churchill. At one point, he wanted to call his like campaign for re-election, keep Britain white. Like, and that was normal. The truth is that the neo-Nazis, EDL, that, that's not, I wouldn't say that's mainstream. Yes, racism still exists, but that's definitely not mainstream culture. What's your alternative to stop talking about it? Because if we stop talking about race, racism is going to disappear overnight. As Faye said, we can't jump to this utopia of a colorblind mm. society, all lives matter, hashtag, if we don't actually hit the nail on the head. like That's a really hard question because if I'm being completely honest, I don't even know what it looks like. And I think that's even part of the problem and i don't know if this is an unfair thing to say but i don't think a lot of conversation has even got to that point i think maybe the closest that's ever come to is probably the black panther party the silencing of that was maybe so terrifying that no one's ever thought about doing that again and so i kind of just sit here and i genuinely want to be like maybe education and then I'm like, okay, but what would that look like? What would you teach? I could tell you things about Nazi Germany that do not affect my life, my experience here in Britain, but I, I can tell you, oh, what do you want to know about Hitler? Maybe that's where it begins. Maybe that's where we, uh, you know, there's an awesome initiative, the black curriculum who are trying to kind of getting it into schools and stuff. And, and maybe that's where we begin. I guess the, a lot of the conversation has been on an individual level, but unless we're coupling that with systemic changes, education, legislation, is pointless. Faye OJ. I like what you said about shifting the nature of the conversation. A lot of people apply like race to the color of the skin. It's shown by like communities all over the world that being black is not also just down to the color of your skin. It's not your genes. It could be your ancestry. It doesn't have as much biological weight as we give it. There is a reason why people are uncomfortable about the conversation of race. Still to this day, despite us knowing that it doesn't really have much weight. Yesterday I was I was updating my signature at work. Had options to add the way that my name is pronounced. My full name is Ife Olua. I go by Ife when I'm not podcasting. And so I started. I wrote if plus slash e slash pronounced f. Same E, an elephant, something that white people can say. And I still knew that that wasn't enough. So I wrote not E, like slash E, E slash, and not Earth. I've made a three-letter name into maybe like a ten-word explanation <laughs> of how to say my name. And I took it out because I said, you're going to ask me how I pronounce my name. Because that's something that you feel uncomfortable doing. And that's not something that you should feel uncomfortable doing. There is a lot of emotional baggage around the conversation of race. People get defensive. Part of the reason why the Panthers were so effective is because they made people feel uncomfortable. Black people having power. And there is also power in this conversation because it brings discomfort out of people. Even though I don't feel uncomfortable talking about race, you do. And until you get to a point where you're no longer uncomfortable, then we can stop talking about it. But you're still uncomfortable. Faye, that was a fantastic point. Obviously, we went to the same school. Do you remember in school when it was like saying words like black, and white were awkward. And I remember one of our teachers, he stood on stage, there had been some complaints about racism and he was like, anyone who talks about racism is a racist. That obviously makes no sense. 
in his point of view, it's a lot easier to slap a plaster over things and not actually get to the root cause. How are we ever gonna uproot the belief that white people are the superior race if we don't talk about it? Nicola, what is your response to that? How do you think we can stop talking about race when there's still so much to be said? People still feel uncomfortable about the differences between us. And there's always this kind of conversation about, you know, why haven't, you know, black people progressed and, you know, uprooted and we did it because we're all very different and we all have very different agendas and we all have different ways of what progression looks like. When we're clumped together and we're kind of forced to accept, I think that's when the issue kind of almost arises. We need to understand how do we cater to this group and how do we cater to this group but achieve the same goal the way in which we kind of move towards a society that's more accepting is to accept that everyone can't have the same thing but how do we make it that everyone can have enough to survive together kind of thing intersectionality we can't look at these groups as homogenous and what nicholas said about grouping black people together all facing this common goal of anti-black racism that is a fallacy. What does it actually mean? What does black actually mean? Why should we keep focusing on that? Me as a black woman living in London, my agenda is different from maybe a black woman living in Timbuktu. I don't even know if there are black people there. Do you see what I mean? So why are we trying to group and homogenize cultures, trying to, you know, act as if we're all like just four separate groups or however many separate groups when the truth is human beings are a lot more complex. What do you think, Faye? I'm just going to start by saying that the phrase that grates me the most, like, in life, a bit exaggerative, but the black community, I hate it. It doesn't exist. There's too many black people in the world for it to be a community. It doesn't make sense. Even if I zoom into a, a black country like Nigeria, there's still so many different divisions there. Like there's division everywhere. So to say community ignores that. It ignores that difference. And I know I said a lot about changing the way that we talk about it, but I didn't actually say how. Parts of the how, why am I going on to Good Morning Britain, right? As Nicholas said, to defend, to defend my existence. That doesn't mean that that's not a worthy conversation. What you're saying about degrouping acknowledging the different groups we have within this black community is having conversations in this community i don't think that you can just kind of jump to action conversation is the catapult to these solutions there's no understanding without conversation there's no empathy without conversation we do overestimate it but i wouldn't underestimate it i do believe that it's the starting point and on that note, we're gonna go into the main debate. Go at each other. Insert Ife's funky transition music that she does. <laughs> I just have a question for you, I think. And, and, I, and I'm very curious as to how you're going to answer this because do you not think that black rage has been popularized? Yes. Okay, the end. <laughs> Charlene White was on Loose Women. And I just remember looking at her and thinking, my God. They have put you in the lion's den and I don't even know how to help you. And I felt <laughs> horrendous for her. Charlene has to explain the experience of every black person that she, she knows, she doesn't know, she has to dream of mm. to a group of people that were questioning what she was saying, but they were asking her for her opinion. It's become almost hilarious for them. I actually think, like, I imagine that we are in a locked room our captors outside and we're screaming we're underground no one can hear us mm. but we're still screaming mm -hmm. we're still yelling what are you doing no one can hear you and they're just looking at us make a fool of ourselves and so my question is what is the point of, of going on about it if that's what they're doing the point is that i hear you nicola that's the point 
I hear you. <laughs> At the start of this conversation, we all laughed about our microaggressions. They're wrong, right? But I'd rather laugh about it with you, Nicola, and you, Apple Pear, than go on good morning. And instead of saying dead the construction, I say let's reconstruct it among us as black people. I remember a Black History Month event. People had to talk and this white man said with his chest, blackness is a part of all of us. It's become a dark side that we can all experience. You can get a bit of being black. You can get a bit of being <laughs> black. You don't get that new meaning if you don't speak. We live in a manifest culture, right? You speak the things that you want to see happen. When I think about all the times, the favorite times of my life, they are with black women. When I'm hanging out with my black friends, I'm not thinking that we are the most disrespected people in America. Probably because I don't well, live we're in, America. Not in America. But, <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? I think that joy, if a word was made up, that you can make it up again. But you don't have to remove the word. If I feel like your point actually gives Nicola more of a leg up. Interesting. <laughs> you said Charlene should stop going on the show. If you don't hear, you will feel. And I think actually by having Charlene stop going on the show, right? Create our own spaces. We'll show them economically. You will feel the power, the power of black owned businesses. If you don't listen to me talking about racism, you will feel it when I stop buying from your businesses. You will feel the economic impact. You will feel the social impact. You'll feel the psychological impact. No, I completely agree. And I think I love speaking to people that understand what I'm going through. I love, you know, being around people that don't make me want to explain myself. But how do we get there? I, I think Charlene would love, you know, to have her own show on ITV. These spaces can be created, of course. Will they be created when the system is completely rigged against them be created? I'm not really sure about that. A key thing I just want to bring out that you said is Charlene probably won't have her show on the ITV. So, of course, I don't blame anyone. We've lived in this society where these structures are, and they have a hold on us. There's YouTube. It's just a little bit pathetic, like YouTube, right? Patricia Bright is a millionaire off YouTube. Black people run Twitter. That is a form of conversation. The power of technology is that you don't need this validation. And I think actually by removing ourselves from that space, it's actually taking an action rather than talking about it. I think that's a very good way to move forward. You're talking about all these black YouTubers. You're talking about black Twitter. Removing ourselves from, from their space and creating our own. That's an action. Do you know what? I, I, <laughs> that's difficult to, to respond to, to be honest. That's an action, to be fair. I would just echo. I think it always starts with the talking. I think it's always talking before action. It's been years of talking that we could even say these things without us having this conversation. You don't get to say the point that you just said that got me destabilized. <laughs> That's a semantic point, if that. <laughs> it starts with the conversation always. And I was thinking about, you know, Martin Luther King, right? The famous I Have a Dream speech, David Geddes famous speech, right? Comedy genius. But I think what that did was create a vision. And I actually do remember the first time I read it. I do believe I read it first before hearing it. It did move me. Even if I go to the Bible here, because I think only God can help me win this debate. There's power in the tongue. <laughs> At the end of the day, conversations do shape and create culture. They shape and create the culture that you can bring these actions to. Does it just continue to uphold it? Does it continue to add much weight? At the end of the day, I don't even think we're at the point where black voices are even being heard enough to bring the weight, to be frank. Yeah, because we're speaking to people that don't want to listen to us. 
Of course we're not going to be hurt. So if we go back to Nicola's example of being in the dungeon and the captor's outside and your captor's not hearing you, let's imagine every black person on earth is in this. <laughs> if they're shouting, hello, hear me. If there's essentially saying the more people stand up and start shouting, eventually they'll hear. Are you saying essentially that we'll never be heard? Rather than stop shouting, how about we figure out ways to get out of this cage? Maybe that doesn't involve shouting. Just to reiterate, honestly, I don't really care that much about being heard, right? But I do think <laughs> that A, the more people shouting, what I'm talking about, the power of the tongue, that door can break down. The amount of vibrations that can come from a voice, that door can break down on its own. I'm it's also saying that when people keep shouting and shouting, that you're going to encourage the people in the back of that room who've given up to come and kick the door down but you don't get there without the shouting so we're talking a lot about we need to stop talking about race but to you guys what like what do we actually mean when we say that when i say oh yeah we should stop talking about race i mean like, we should stop basically dredging up the past like i don't want to see any more movies about slavery and blah blah we should look to the future let's try and create new meanings although it exists let's get rid of this baggage because it's clear that black people can do amazing things just look around you so it's obvious that bi black people are not biologically inferior what's the most salient part of race that you either want to start talking about or stop talking about let's just start with you um nicola the tragedy of it a lot of people sacrifice a lot of things for me to be here for me to have the opinions that i have for me to exist as i do i don't want to say that what they did was almost in vain but but it feels like we need to do something to obviously have got into this part a lot has happened do you know what i mean and, and i think it's an exhausting process to carry and almost a burden that conversation seems to add on to it begs the question how do we respect the people that have got us to this point bring light to what they've done without it being so so tragic how do we change the conversation from from you know these people that died here or there to oh my god this amazing work that was done by this person i saw like a black panther person was like released from prison like three days ago no one's talking about that no one's talking about the good like there's no it's a really pertinent point but the truth is no one's going to know about that black panther guy that got released from prison if we don't talk about it it's exhausting and we need to take rest. We can't keep foot on the pedal. 365, but it doesn't mean that we stop completely. I know mm. I said, you know, we need continuous moments. The more that we engage and enrage through conversation, it's the more that we allow people to be able to take rest because we have more people in the army. I was watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier and every episode has like a racial thing and I'm like, bro, I watched the Avengers to escape. It was annoying and I had to check myself and think, listen, at the end of the day, there are some people who they just mm. need someone to say something, right? That they haven't thought about it. I don't think the alternative brings the solutions that talking about it does. The alternative is that story not getting heard. But if my alternative is we're not talking about it in their spaces and the alternative is that we're rebuilding. It's almost like starting a new community. Like, Would you then agree that we need to stop talking about it in their spaces? Would that be something you'd, you'd agree on? I've never agreed that it needs to be had in, in their spaces. But at the end of the day, we cannot ignore the current situation that we're in. If we talk about it in our spaces, there still needs to be like an interaction with the spaces for change to happen because of who is running the world at the moment. In the segregation in South Africa, and when it started, black people weren't mad at the segregation. They were flourishing, etc. And it only was when 
the white population of South Africa were doing well, that they started doing all these laws that made apartheid happen. But essentially, like, segregation didn't actually start as a negative thing. So that's what I'm saying in the sense that, say we do that again, and then they just start to put, you know, more laws on us. There still needs to be an interaction. At the end of the day, I feel like this is the moment that stopping would, would let them win, essentially. I also do have to just highlight that it's an extreme place of privilege for us to even be having this conversation. Because a lot of the people who black people who came before us this mm -hmm. was ubiquitous they mm. didn't have an option to opt in and out and it's an extreme place of privilege to be like do you know what i'm just gonna not talk about it yeah racism affects me a bit but do you know i'm just gonna live my life and fight against the odds struggle with that take though because i think that it's not really fair on black people today to have that weight there it shows the progress that they've made and which is why I think rest is, is extremely important. In one line, can you tell me what is the most salient, as in the most important aspect of race that you think needs to be talked about? For me, it's I think we need to highlight that other groups have been racialized. So we need to talk more about whiteness as a concept. I think if we talk about whiteness as a concept and unpack how that's been become synonymous with privilege, then we, you know, inadvertently solve a lot of the issues. One line's gonna be difficult, but I'll, I'll try my best. I do believe that the conversation about race is very one-dimensional, to be honest. It ignores a lot. That's why I don't think we're at the stage where we need to stop, because it ignores so much. We're barely even at the stage where we even know how to probably talk about mixed race mm. people. I don't know, that's, that's my answer. I don't know, but I think the reason I don't know is because there's so much of the surface that we haven't even scratched yet, and Every year we're talking about the same thing over and over and over again and that's why it's exhausting. But it's not exhausting because we need to stop. Every time you talk about something, basically, it brings light to something new to talk about. Instead of going to the area where it brings light, we're now just saying, no, no, no. It would be great, you know, if you just take everything that you've said and if you can summarise to me in 30 seconds your final statement to try and convince me, who has won the debate. Oh, it's 30 seconds, isn't it? Why did I add this rule? Honestly. <laughs> I basically think if we stop talking about race now, then they have exhausted us to the extent that they've gotten what they want. At the end of the day, people are still uncomfortable. It would be a service to them to stop talking about it. What we need to do more is give ourselves time to rest. Stop talking about the same things over and over again and stop going to places that are only debating you to debate you and not actually to listen and start having more conversations that actually engage and enrage and couple it with action. I was once at a seminar and it talked about the dolphins that are in the water parks and how, you know, when the trainer kind of throws them to fish, they always jump way higher than the cage that they're actually in. And this is what I'm reminded of here is the reason why the Black Panther was so terrifying is because they were no longer interested about talking. They were interested about actions, what they were going to do next. And no matter how scary the other side looked like, they didn't care. What mattered was that they got to the other side and that's why we need to stop talking and actually doing. Woo! 30 seconds, baby. Fantastic from both of you guys. Race is such a multifaceted concept. I cannot tell you what blackness means in a sentence. And the truth is, there's not just one conversation when we talk about this. Talking to people who look like you about their similar shared experiences, that is a form of healing. It's also the fact that talking to people who don't look like you and trying to explain to them your experience, that can also result in things like allyship and people in positions of power using their privilege to kind of help marginalised groups. You also talk about the fact that we need to reduce the prescription, um, the prescription between 
terms like black, white, etc. But when I think about where should we start, should we start from conversation or should we start from action? While I do think that is a multi-pronged approach, I think I'm going to have to go on the side of conversation. Two things, silencing. When you don't talk about something, you can be silenced. And then secondly, there's a term called hermeneutic injustice, which sometimes is the injustice of not knowing how to articulate yourself. And I will say, you know, even watching you guys talk and the way you articulate yourself, a lot of people listening to this could be like, wow, I have felt that, but I've never known how to articulate it. And them not being given that, the voices to articulate that, that's a form of hermeneutic injustice. And so while I think the conversation could be exhausting, of course it's going to be exhausting because we've got loads of different people trying, different people, different races, backgrounds, genders, all trying to fight racism. So of course we're going to have infighting in groups. That's a natural thing. But if we don't talk about these things, we cannot address a problem if we don't know it's there. And we cannot give voices to the voices if we don't start from conversation and then using that as a springboard to bring about meaningful action. I think it is a lot slower, but unfortunately progress is literally gonna be moving at a snail's pace because people are very uncomfortable with uprooting systems. Fair enough, like this is our civilization. The conversation does not stop here. Follow us on Instagram at TheMotion underscore, tweet us your thoughts at TheMotionPod underscore, send us an email, TheMotionPodcast at gmail.com and listen to our radio show every Sunday live on Wizard Radio from 5pm. Be blessed, stay safe and have a wonderful week.